Yeah, so first question, um, please tell us something about your musical education. Oh, my musical education. Well, I was brought up in Africa, so I didn't have many opportunities for very early musical education because it was uh, just not that kind of life. So I didn't really get into music probably until about the age of 10 or 11 uh, when I was back in England and uh, I started listening to contemporary pop music, mm -hmm. very into the Beatles. And in fact, my brother and I, we even got guitars for uh, Christmas presents. And then we started miming to Beatles songs to amuse our parents. And we got the wigs, the Beatle wigs, and uh, I think even shirts and jackets because they sold all that kind of stuff in those days. Anyway, so you can imagine I was obviously a very cute little child, mm. all this stuff. And then from then it was actually a logical progression to uh, actually learn the guitar. Uh, but anyway, so my early musical life was from pop music. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I went to uh, boarding school from the age of about 11, I started having classical guitar lessons. Mm -hmm kind of steered me into classical music. And uh, I was actually influenced by two teachers at school, one who played the piano, and he got me into the piano. So I then started having piano lessons. And then our history teacher was very into Mahler, and he started lending me records of uh, Mahler symphonies. Mm -hmm. That completely blew me away. And uh, so I had this just drift away from the pop music more into the classical music and uh, of course once I started learning classical music uh, studying classical music and you know listening to the Mahler symphonies I then bought the uh, the scores or the partituren and uh, began studying from that point of view mm -hmm. You'll carry on without uh... <laughs> one thing that I've always figured that I really liked was the sound of an orchestra because uh, for me that was a big influence. For example, when I was learning the piano and playing maybe a Beethoven sonata or something, I would hear in my head kind of orchestral sounds, you know, like maybe a flute playing a melody or something like that. Uh, so I knew that somehow I wanted to work with, with an orchestra or with the sound of an orchestra. But of course, still being at school and not a, not being out in the, the great wide, wide world, I didn't know what opportunities there might be. And uh, of course, like everyone, you, you imagine every composer must orchestrate his own music because Beethoven did, Mahler did, all the great composers wrote everything. They composed, they orchestrated, they did everything. And it wasn't until I got into the commercial world that I realized that actually this wasn't the case. That uh, for reasons of uh, maybe sometimes inability, certainly pressure, composers passed on their work to orchestrators to, uh, to complete for them. And that's when I realized, ah, there's an opportunity here. That's, you know, everything so far in my life had obviously been leading up to that, uh, taking advantage of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You still want me to go on? Hmm? <laughs> and who are your personal or musical idols, if you have them? Obviously, from that early influence, 
uh, well, very early influence would be people like Bach, and then obviously Beethoven, then the Mahler, and then the more romantic composers. And I guess actually, because it's a logical extension that people like Mahler, who, or even, and Richard Strauss, of course, who wrote program music, their music is very much like film music, and it's telling a story. And uh, I think that there is that connection between those composers and the film, film music composers of today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is your favorite instrument within or outside an orchestra? Uh, do I have a favorite instrument? Like I said, for me, it's the sound of everything combined. Yeah. I played the double bass, so I do have an affinity with bass players. Uh, and of course, that provides the kind of the ground of the orchestra upon which everything else is based. I love the cello. Mm -hmm of instruments like I, I learned very on and very early on in orchestration that uh, when horns play a big strong heroic melody if you have the cellos play it as well then it makes the horns come through much more and uh, for me that's a wonderful combination mm. I like everything in the orchestra because every everything just fits together like a big jigsaw puzzle and just creates this overall wonderful sound What is um, inspiring you? Ah, you mean to orchestrate or compose? Um, both. Uh, the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this? Uh, that? Because you, you can't miss a deadline. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it has to be your inspiration. Now, actually, what happens is your technique, your technique takes you to the deadline. And then while you're working, hopefully you get inspiration. And uh, yeah, that has to come from the music that you're writing or if you're, or the picture can inspire you, of course. Uh, so from orchestration, it has to be good melodies. They would be inspiring. And then from composing, it would have to be what the, the, the picture you're seeing and, and also the, the enthusiasm of the director. That's very important. And uh, of course, the, the quality of acting as well. That can be very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Lots, lots of things, really. Mm. Yeah, uh, what do you think? Is uh, composing music an art or a craft? I think it's a craft. I think for film music it, it's a craft, for the reason I just mentioned, that it has to be done in a certain way and it has to be done in a certain amount of time. And then if you're lucky enough to be inspired, then obviously it can become an art. Mm. Uh, but I'm sure most composers would say it's a craft first yeah <laughs> what is for you uh, the fascinating of film music what's the fascination of film music for me the fascination is the way music and film have one thing in common they both they both move in time and the fascination for me is the way that music can enhance the visual and intellectual experience uh, Of film and uh, I don't know if I spoke about this before to you but I, I used to do a lot of work for a television company in England mm -hmm. and in the mixing studio they would have a monitor in the room which would be showing the uh, the films what was going out on the television that day and of course you had the opportunity to switch between the channels and see different things and so we would be mixing what we'd been recording 
and uh, then you just sit back and listen to a playback. And then, of course, your eye is attracted to the television monitor. And it amazed me how many times the music would fit the picture, even though they had nothing to do with each other. And you would, you would listen to the same piece of music, change channels and watch another picture and it would fit again. And that made me realize that actually it's, it's the viewer that makes the connection between the music and the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, as a composer, you try and make that connection yourself, but you still need the, uh, the viewer or the audience to make the connection too. So hopefully you have to write in a certain way that everybody can understand what the music is uh, actually meant to, to contribute to the picture. And that I find fascinating, that uh, pretty much any, any piece of music will fit and tell a story, but of course it has to tell the right story. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the best thing about composing music? Uh, the best thing is when you think you've got it right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, every day when you have a deadline, you have to achieve a certain amount of music every day, you know, maybe five minutes a day. So in six days, you've done 30 minutes of music. Mm -hmm. So that's very pleasing, especially when you finish before dinner, because uh, there's nothing worse than having to go back to work after dinner and after some wine. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually having having written something well, something good in that day, that's that's the best feeling. Is there something in composing music that makes it less fun for you? Oh, makes it less fun for me. Well, yes, if you have to work with uh, music which you don't think is of a very good quality, then that does make it less fun, for sure. Because you're, you've, you know, you're working with something that you, uh, you feel, mm, to say it's beneath me is, is wrong, but something that, that maybe will need a lot more work than is actually possible. Uh, I had a friend who, an orchestrator in London many years ago, and sometimes he would look at a piece of music and he would say to me, not even orchestration can save this. Oh. Meaning that, you know, what had been written was so bad that there was no way it was ever going to sound good. <laughs> oh, wow. And that can be depressing. Fortunately, it doesn't happen too often. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about the uh, modern movie industry? Um, do you like the modern movies? Uh, you mean the films themselves or the, the way it all works? Um, yeah, all of them. Um, what do you think? <laughs> well, I like films, obviously. You know, I find them very exciting. Unfortunately, I don't really get to see them live so often uh, because I live in the middle of nowhere and my German is not so good. I mean, I can... I can sit through a film mm -hmm. and get the idea of it, but normally I, I either wait and well, I either wait until I'm in Berlin and then I go and see something in the original version, or I wait until I'm in England and then I see a lot of films together. Uh, but usually I just end up buying all the day five days, so I'm generally about a year behind <clears throat> the, with the current films. But yeah, of course, you know I love movies. I think they're a great form of entertainment and escapism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like actually uh, TV shows. We're watching uh, the the Danish series, The Killing, at the moment. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? No. Well, it's a, it's a krimi. It's it's in the original language, so you have to read the untertitle all the time. But uh, it's a bit like a, a version of Twenty Four. Mm -hmm. 
some sometimes the format reminds me of 24 and uh, and the music is really good i must say i think it's called franz back who wrote the music and uh, yeah actually for for a tv series the the quality is very high mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so i like that yeah i like all, all this stuff absolutely mm-hmm. and um yeah what is your favorite movie of all times of all time yeah oh. <laughs> I, you know i hate questions like that because i can I'm... never remember And, uh, I don't know. I mean, you can see a film and then you think, you know, the next day, if it was a good film, then that'll be your favorite movie, won't it, for a while, while it stays in the memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try to, th- I try to be virtuous sometimes and think, you know, well, if it's going to be, if it's a rainy Sunday, sit in front of the fire and watch Dr. Zhivago or Lawrence of Arabia or something like that. But I never do it. <laughs> yeah, great. And uh, what was your very first assignment as a film music composer? As a composer, it was long time ago. It it was uh, actually TV documentaries, and I'm trying to think. I think it was about D. W. Griffith, who was a very famous Hollywood director from the silent age, and. Uh, I knew the company who, who produced it very well, and they always used a composer whom I orchestrated for called Carl Davis. And uh, I think Carl went sick, and they, they called me and asked me if I'd write some of the music. I think he'd written, he'd written some of it, and they needed it finishing. So uh, that was my first, uh, yeah, first composing assignment. And then later on, uh, I went on to do a, a series called Cinema Europe, the other Hollywood, which was about obviously European cinema, so that was very interesting. And the uh, the challenging thing about working on the documentaries was that you had to write music for many many different film clips that they showed, mm-hmm. and the trick was to try and make so the audience would be watching maybe a two and a half three minute clip from a silent film, and you had to write a piece of music that made it sound like it belonged. To a much bigger film score, mm-hmm. so it sounded original and went and went with the clip. So it meant lots and lots of different styles, all in a, a short period of time, and of course creating lots of different themes. Whereas with when you're writing for a contemporary film, you you establish maybe three or four themes and then develop those throughout the course of the film. Mm-hmm. It's interesting work, and uh, yeah, really you know got me started. And uh, what was your first um, assignment as an orchestrator? As an orchestrator, first assignment, uh, that would have been TV as well. How it started was, is when I was at, going back to when I was at school, although I was studying music, I was also really interested in art. And uh, uh, I had, at one point I had to make the decision, was it going to be music or art? So obviously I chose music. Because I could draw very well, uh, I, I started copying music, handwriting music. So, for example, when I was playing the double bass, I always needed, I copied out bass parts for myself. And uh, so my first job after leaving school was actually as a music copyist for Boozy and Hawks, very well-known publisher who were based in London, or still are based in London. So that was also the way I got into the film industry as a copyist. And I did that for a few months, and then I began working. 
I was copying for an orchestrator who said to me, really, you know, you shouldn't be copying, you should be orchestrating. So he, he took me under his wing and I started orchestrating with him. And we would have done films, that was 1980, when there was a musician strike in LA and all the big composers were coming to London. So I was working with people like Maurice Shah, so I can't really remember the order of, you know, like the films we did, but we did things like Top Secret, A Passage to India, Mad Max 3, uh, films like that with Maurice. And then we were working with Elmer Bernstein. What did we do with him? Three Amigos. Uh, oh, something called Heavy Metal. So, you know, it would have been one of those projects. And, you know, what a way to start working with fantastic composers like that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm. And then from that, uh, so that was working with this guy, Christopher. So that was a bit like, uh, like an apprentice apprenticeship for me. Mm. And the, uh, the first opportunity to work on my own uh, was uh, a John, uh, John Barry, James Bond film. So again, amazing start, you know, to get that opportunity. Yeah. In my own right. And then from then on, you know, I became more established on my own. And uh, do you like or enjoy uh, writing whole themes for characters or settings? Or do you try more to describe the mood of a movie? I'm a great believer in, in themes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that people and places and maybe even situations have and feelings have a theme. Uh, because I think this is the way you can help the audience. Uh, well, you can help tell the story along with the movie for the audience and uh, make connections for them that they might otherwise miss. Uh, so, yeah, I think the theme comes first. And then, you know, the way you orchestrate it is then uh, closely linked with that. Because obviously you can change the atmosphere of a melody through orchestration. Uh, yeah, so rather than being purely atmospheric, like I say, for me, thematic material is, is the most important thing. Great. Yeah, are there any other uh, soundtracks albums by other composers in your music collection? Sorry, albums by other composers? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. music? Of course. Uh, give some names. Is mm -hmm. that after? Well, contemporary composers, I, I, I very much like uh, Alexander Desplat mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, Jerry Goldsmith, who, of course, is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. He's an influence for me because he can write so many different styles. That's what I admire about him. I admire John Williams because he's so musical and steeped in the, the classic tradition. And, uh, yeah, and then, of course, all the... Uh, The Hollywood greats that I get involved with when when we do these uh, re-recordings, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the, the old classic Hollywood film music, I love all that too. Of uh, out of all of your scores and uh, re-recordings, um, which one is your personal favorite? Oh well, I love Nicholas Roger's music, so I would say anything by him, you know, would be my personal favorite. Uh, we've re-recorded uh, Tiomkin. Dmitry Tiomkin's music, and sometimes I find that a bit heavy. You have to, with Tiomkin, you actually have to get more into the, the mind of the composer than you do with Roja, mm -hmm. because with Roja, everything is, is beautifully laid out, and when you perform it, it works with very little input. Uh, 
but with Tiomkin, sometimes his orchestrations are a bit. There's too much going on, and you have to you have to really study the music and figure out actually what did he what did he really want to come through, you know what is what is the main, you know the hub thema or or the main idea, and what is just kind of the hintergrund music in the piece that you're you're performing. So he takes a lot more a lot more energy, mental energy to uh, to record. Mm -hmm. And uh, which composer is uh, more easier to re-record or conduct? Well, I would say John Barry, because his music is very simple, which is, I think, the secret of its appeal. Uh, and generally, he tends to use the same tempo, so you don't have to think about that too much. Uh, yeah. And in fact, uh, I have three concerts purely of John Barry music coming up in London, in England, uh, Royal Albert Hall, which is going to be a wonderful place to conduct. I never conducted that before. And then two other cities in England uh, with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And having worked with John Barry and, and recorded a lot of his music, I, uh, you know, I really know the style. And uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be very good. And um, yeah, you worked with uh, John Barry. Um, how was the work with him? Actually, very, very easy. He was a lovely man to work for. Uh, we got on very well. He he didn't he didn't have an ego, you know, and he wasn't one of these composers who wants to talk about his music. He would just hand me the sketch and uh, really not say anything about it. And then we'd just talk about something else or have a lunch or a drink or something and uh, talk about life and people. Uh, and then, you know, I would take the music home, do the scores. And then, uh, you know, we'd meet at the sessions and like I say, his music just kind of plays itself. So, yeah, he was a joy to work for. But as I say, actually very, very easy. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, in a biography, uh, he said that he loves your re-recording uh, of Race Titanic. Um, how does that feel? Well, I'm very happy when someone likes what we've done and I'm not so happy when people don't like what we do. But it's funny because there are some music fans or film music soundtrack fans who were so kind of uh, wedded to the original that they find it very difficult to take another interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I remember, we, you know, we've even had letters or emails from people saying, oh, your version of Out of Africa is four seconds longer than John's or shorter or whatever. And, you know, what can I say about that? You know, it was one performance recorded at one particular time. When John conducts something like that in concert, you know, there again, it will be different. Uh, so, you know, why can't people just accept that something is different? And why should we repeat exactly, you know, the same, the same sound, the same timing as, uh, as another performance? You, I mean, if every Beethoven symphony that you could buy was exactly the same, then there would be no market, would there, mm -hmm. for these things? Yeah, I love uh, re-recordings uh, and I'm looking very forward to listen to the box from Silver, uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Mm. Um, I think you have a few tracks on that. Um, Quite possibly, because yes, we've recorded a lot of Jerry Goldsmith over the years. So I guess this is something they're just putting together as a, a compilation in honor of Jerry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think what it is. Uh... You know, that's great. Uh, 40 years of free music. Uh, that great mm -hmm. box was a Christmas present. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. They didn't send me one. 
Oh. <laughs> cheap, cheap people. <laughs> oh. And uh, how do you feel when you conduct uh, the music of Jerry Goldsmith? Oh, well, it depends what I'm conducting. But I remember when I recorded uh, some music for The Omen, mm -hmm. I felt really uncomfortable because uh, obviously I knew the film. And when you're conducting really dissonant music like that, it really has an effect on you. Uh, so, it, it, like I say, it depends. You know, the emotion of the of the music comes through to me, and I feel it. So when I conduct the omen, I feel scary mm -hmm. or scared. But when I'm conducting something fun like you know Gremlins, then you know it's just wonderful. No, I love it. Mm -hmm. Anything from him. And have you a, a favorite score from him? I very much like uh, Basic Instinct. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Basic Instinct is one of my favorite Goldsmith scores. And actually, I love, we just re-recorded Hour of the Gun, which is one of his early scores. It's a Western score, and it's not, not typically Western, uh, I would say, but uh, very, very effective. And his use of orchestration in that is wonderful. The way he builds tension, for example... Uh, just using percussion instruments and the odd guitar notes is, is very effective. Mm -hmm. Is it true that you conducted Jerry Goldsmith, uh, the chairman with the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra? Sorry, what was the title? The, uh, the chairman. The chairman? Well, I don't recall that, but I have conducted a lot of things and I can't remember everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe, is it on your box set? Maybe you can... See. Don't think so. Uh, it's a question from a fan. He wants to know that. Okay. If we could, uh, yeah, wait for a new release. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we we have actually. I can't. Trouble is, I can't tell you the names because we have re-recorded now two more Jerry Goldsmith scores. One from a very famous long-running TV series, mm -hmm. uh, not Star Trek, and uh, another film, and they're due for release pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So they're still in the pipeline and they will come out sometime this year and hopefully please a lot more fans. Yeah, I love, uh, but, but, uh, but uh, at the same time, I yeah hate a little bit the labels because they uh, release so much. I yeah could buy them, uh, all, all this. <laughs> I see people, yeah, I see people on Facebook writing this, you know, like there are so many things coming out that it, mm -hmm. it costs a lot of money if you, uh, you know, it can be an expensive hobby, can't it? Oh yeah. If you, if you want to buy everything that that's issued. Yeah, because I make the plan um, that I want to have all of Jerry Goldsmith that I that is possible, and yeah. he had a much. <laughs> well, a lot. Can't, you, can't you get the radio station to buy them, and then you just you look after them? Hmm, I could try. <laughs> you you can be the caretaker. Yeah, or I ask the labels. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's another way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, what is your favorite score from uh, John Barry? Ah, uh, good question, of course. I like Race of the Titanic, actually, because that now you mentioned it, it does have a really nice uh, theme to it, a rousing theme. Uh, I did a film with him called Cry the Beloved Country, and I thought that was beautiful, too. Hmm, I like his early music. I really love... Uh, the uh, the Ipcris file. I think that's so evocative. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the the chimbalum and the uh, the alto flutes and the trombones. That's very kind of 60s and has this kind of Cold War uh, 
atmosphere to it. And actually, I thought his his early music was in some ways more imaginative than later on. Once he hit the symphonic or had the budget to use symphony orchestra, he then established a style which he never deviated from, except maybe adding a harmonica or something. And uh, I found, you know, then it became a bit repetitive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, his early music is, is wonderful, particularly some of things like Beat Girl. He was a he was an arranger in London in the 60s. He arranged a lot of music for Adam Faith. And there again, he hit on a style of lots of pizzicato strings. And then he did a couple of films where he used that same kind of pop style, which uh, is also great fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you worked with uh, Marcel Basotti uh, for Jesus Loves Me yes. uh, and Wunder von Bern. Um, yeah. How was the work with him? Uh, very good. I like Marcel. He's uh, a very good composer. And uh, yeah, no, I like work with him. It's, it's always a, a good experience. And uh, he uh, he loves music. I mean, he's a he's a real musician. And uh, you can feel that when you work with him. I mean, he, he uh, he's very demanding. We have to make a lot of takes. But uh, in the end, you know, he, he wants the music to sound as good as possible. So I respect that. And uh, We try and do our best for him. Mm -hmm. Great. Could we uh, imagine the job as a orchestrator? So, what do you do? <laughs> well, I like. To, I, I sometimes compare it, for example, to people who are not really so musical. If uh, if somebody does a drawing, mm -hmm. which is just black and white, and then they give it to somebody else to color it in, mm. then the person making the colors is the orchestrator. Mm -hmm. Great. And uh, for the people who are more interested in musician <laughs> music, well, it's uh, it has two sides because a lot of composers now they play their music into uh, into keyboards and they have a MIDI playback as a system which closely reproduces the sound of an orchestra and they have to do it that way in order that they have a demo that they can play to the director so the director has an understanding of what music is being written. So. In some ways, that's easier for me because I have an idea of the type of sound that they want. But in, in other ways, it makes it more complicated because what they've played into the keyboard is not exactly how it would work with an orchestra. So you have to you have to take the drawing and you have to erase some of the, the picture mm -hmm. and then make a new drawing before you can color it in, if I can describe it that way. Yeah, what is easier, composing or orchestrating? Well, what is easier? I mean, orchestration has to be easier because, you know, the the creative, the, the, the main creative part of the work has been done for you. Uh, composing can be simple and it can be very difficult, depending, you know, like anything, like like homework or anything, you can get stuck and really have to think very hard about what to do. And then other times you're inspired and it just flows very easily. Uh, but I think now that I seem to be on a, on a way with writing, it's, uh, it's certainly the more uh, more interesting for me. You know, I feel I'm more creative doing it. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I feel I have more freedom because I don't have to think about when you orchestrate, you always have to think about trying to be true to the character of the composer. And not do not taking not hijacking the music mm. with your personality. Uh, whereas when you compose, of course, everything comes from your, from yourself. Mm -hmm. Good. 
and um, yeah, how does the collaboration with uh, James Fitzpatrick start? How did it start? Mm -hmm. It started uh, when he was working with Silver Screen Records. I think we met 1984 or yeah, four or five. And I'd orchestrated the music for a Ken Russell film. You see, that's an interesting story. A big symphonic score. And in symphonic music, you have trumpets. And we get to the recording sessions. And Ken says to me, oh, I hope you haven't used the trumpets much. I hate trumpets. <laughs> and of course, we had used the trumpets. I mean, you know, that kind of information would be really useful to get up front, but you never do anyway. So uh, Silver Screen wanted to issue the soundtrack of the film, so we had to, of the score, so we had to remix it. And so James and I met on the remix. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing the mixing for him, and uh, I said to him, you know, we, we got on very well, and I, I said, if you ever need any help with anything, then please give me a call. And uh, it wasn't long after when he wanted to do, oh, he was doing some re-recordings in London, and he asked my help to produce, which I did. And uh, by that time, I made my first trip to Prague, which I think was before the wall came down. And uh, anyway, I told him that the orchestra seemed very good. And he was looking to increase the, uh, the kind of the library or the catalogue of Silver Screen's recordings. And he was finding London much too expensive, so he was interested that maybe there was an alternative place to go. So we tried Prague together. Yeah, the rest is history. That's that's how, you know, we got to know each other very well and got to know the situation in Prague and gradually improved the situation there. And uh, yeah, so we've been going there probably 25 years, which is scary to think about. But oh. anyway, we all get older one way or another. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the orchestra in Prague is uh, um, very good. It was it uh, at this time um, good too, and it's so good as today. Yeah, I mean the quality is fantastic now. And uh, what we found when we first went there, obviously, you know, the uh, the technical side was uh, not as up to date as it was in London then, and also the players have the mentality of doing recording sessions. They were set in their, their orchestral way of life, you know, playing the Vorjak symphonies over and over again. So they weren't so quick at, at sight reading, you know, seeing a new piece of music and playing it immediately and then doing a take. Mm -hmm. So things were fairly slow in the beginning, but gradually over the years, they could became much better at it. And we got lots of uh, new young people into the orchestra now. And uh, the style of playing is gradually changing. There are even... Uh, Horn teachers now in Prague who are teaching kind of the Hollywood style of playing rather than the Eastern European way of playing, which has a lot of vibrato in it. And, uh, yeah, we have some fantastic players and I love going there. I have a really good relationship with the orchestra because I've done many concerts with them. We even did a concert tour in China over Sylvester, which was uh, fascinating. And, of course, that brings you closer to with them as people and you build up this rapport And, uh, yeah, and I mean, now, you know, their sight reading is perfect. They play just as well as any London orchestra, to be honest, you know, in, in the way they, the speed that they pick up new music and the quality. So I'm always very happy to go there. Mm -hmm. oh. 
Yeah, how could we imagine the process of our recording? Um, what are the steps from the ID to uh, re-record to the CD? Well, how it works is, so if you imagine everyone comes to the studio at nine o'clock in the morning, which is a terrible time to, to make music. Uh, so we usually start, if we can, with something fairly loud and fairly long, just to wake everybody up. Uh, film music is, of course, split up into lots of short pieces of music, so we try and avoid those because they get a bit, be honest, you know, a bit boring to do. So, like I say, we wake everyone up with something quite long and loud. Uh, if it's the first session of a, a series of recordings, then obviously the technical side has to be checked because they've set the studio up just for that, that job. So we will, we will play some strings on their own, some brass on their own, percussion, woodwind, blah, 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 make sure everything is functioning. And then, of course, that first piece has been rehearsed quite well because we've already played it maybe two times to check the technical side. Then we've played individual sections. So then we can record that piece. And then from then on, every every new cue that we record, we will we won't have a rehearsal. We will take make a take from the first playthrough. Mm -hmm. And then that will become a basis uh, you know that we can then work off and i mean depending on the how difficult the piece of music is we'll probably do maybe three recordings and then that piece will be ready uh sometimes you have to do edits you know maybe a trumpet player splits a note or a horn player or whatever sometimes in a very quiet piece of music there's some noise in the room like a squeaky chair or something like this so you you have to cover these little things which we just do as a small edit sections, just a few bars. Uh, yeah, and then try to keep it all rolling because, you know, you know there's a break at 10.15, so, you know, you have to kind of pace the music. You can go in with a recording schedule, but you have to be prepared to adapt. Mm -hmm. Also, depending on the mood of the orchestra, you know, if, if they're starting to get bored because maybe they're just playing very slow music all the time, then you throw in something fast just to get the energy back. And particularly the worst time of day is about three o'clock in the afternoon before they've had a cup of tea mm. after their lunch. Then you can really and also if the if the if the uh, the room is getting very hot, then you can really see people getting bored and starting to fall asleep, blah, blah, blah. The concentration levels drop. So that's a particular uh, dangerous time of the day, you know, where you have to choose what you record quite carefully, you know, to, to keep the interest level maintained. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of psychological stuff that goes on as well as actually actually making music. What score would you like to re-record from those that you have not been recorded yet? Oh, no, I always leave that up to James because he's the one who has far, far greater knowledge than I do. And uh, obviously we get requests from fans you know, usually Rosia scores that they haven't got a good recording of. A lot of people like that. And I'm always happy to, to re-record Nicholas Rosia. Uh, but, of course, it's all down to economics in the end, you know, the finances. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not going to say what I want to record because I'm really just, I'm just the guy who does the work. <laughs> <laughs> and a fan uh, would like to know, uh, when we could see you again live in Germany at a concert. 
Actually, I have uh, I have concerts in Hof. Mm-hmm. In hang on, let me look at the diary. That's in May sometime. Seventeenth uh, of May. Mm-hmm. In Hof, and then I'm in Budapest. I think in July, doing a James Bond concert on an island, which mm-hmm. will be interesting. So I think the orchestra must be in the middle of the river on an island. I don't know whether the audience is also on the island or whether they're on the shore, but I think that's going to be quite a good concert with lots of multimedia stuff. You know, there'll be videos for all the music that we play. So that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm doing a concert in Stuttgart, 17th of November. Mm-hmm. which is a combination of music from the musicals and uh, some film music as well. And then two concerts, I think, in Fussen over Sylvester. So there again, that'll be an extension of the, the musicals music mm-hmm. and even some musical music that I'm, I'm writing for a new musical. So we'll be premiering that. Then I have my concerts in, uh, in London, England in October. And hopefully we do another concert for help in Prague in November. The uh, the last one we did in November was absolutely fantastic, amazing. Because, you know, we have full orchestra, I mean, big orchestra, like 90 people, and we have a choir. And in the Rudolf Fienum Concert Hall, where the acoustics are super, it really, just for me, a stunning experience, you know, to have, when you record something like... Uh, the Abyss, Alan Silvestri with choir, or we did Vangelis across the mountains, mm-hmm. choir and some other big pieces. You know, it's just a wonderful feeling as conductor to be in control of all these things. Oh, we did the Gladiator that was with chorus as well, and that's yeah, just knockout. I love it. Mm-hmm. Great. So we uh, could yeah <clears throat> hope to see you in German. Sure. Uh, great. Um, I tell her what are your next projects. Uh, well, at the moment, I'm still involved in this musical we're doing in the hotel, although that now has some performances this week. Uh, yeah, and actually, there are a lot of things in the pipeline. It's funny, this year seems to be like everyone is taking a long time to wake up after winter. Uh, but I have the, uh, in the pipeline, there's the possibility of doing some arrangements for a tournée combining orchestra and uh pop group and then uh, there's also something coming up which will be writing the music for a big arena show a bit like uh, kind of Lord of the Rings live uh, yeah and uh, oh and a film this is, I'm doing a film the music for a film documentary it's a cross between documentary and and a movie uh, about uh, very rare horse breed mm-hmm. which is dying out in uh, in the country of Azerbaijan so anyway, yeah, a few interesting things coming up. Great, looking forward. I call five terms and you tell me well, just briefly what comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> it's, I think it's easy. Um, film, music? Uh, living. Orchestra? Wonderful tool. Um, Germany? Country I live in, and I'm very happy living in it. It's, um, Hollywood? Mm, across the water. <laughs> and uh, 
end of work, so spare time. End of work? Mm -hmm. you, mean, you mean leisure time? Yeah. Well, if it's in the summer, on the boat, in the middle of Moritzsee. If it's winter, in front of the fire, watching television. Mm. Probably uh, beer for the first one and wine for the second one, inclusive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. And yeah, that was it in questions. Um, so uh, yeah, first, um, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you.